Hi guys and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Carefree and Black Diaries podcast. I am the host of this podcast and my name is Shakira. There are a lot of you that are new here so welcome to my podcast. Welcome to our Carefree family which is what I like to call my listeners because you all are like my family and I just hope that you all strive to be carefree as hard as it is sometimes. Now for those that have been here for a while whether you have been here for one episode two episodes all episodes all seasons welcome back to a brand new episode thank you for sticking around with me and just showing me so much love I really 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 appreciate it so welcome back to a new episode it's a new week I hope that you all are just doing amazing I hope that you all are trying your best to stay stress-free even though we have so much going on in the world today today's episode is not going to be a guest for the past few weeks we've had guests come through talk to us chop it up with us talk about different um topics and discussions that we've been having but i felt like this week i just wanted to talk to you guys about something that had been on my mind and on my heart for a few weeks now and i'll explain everything when we get to our topic but first If you know how things work here, we're going to hop into our carefree updates. Now, first things first, if you are listening to this episode on a Tuesday, I hope that you have gotten your scholarship applications in. That is, if you are a student, if you are an undergraduate student, a grad student, law school, med school, if you are in school, past high school, If you have not gotten your scholarship in, if you're listening to this podcast episode right here on a Tuesday, August 4th, as it comes out, you have until 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to submit your scholarship applications. We are selecting four people, four people. So get your applications in because the cutoff is five o'clock, y'all. Okay. now I hope you got those in. Now on to the good stuff, the fun stuff. We haven't had carefree updates for a while just because we've been having like guests. And to be honest, there hasn't been much to talk about here as far as like updating you guys. Like I don't want to keep beating you over the head with COVID updates, stimulus packet updates, unemployment updates. It can just get very repetitive and there hasn't been much going on in entertainment lately. So that's why we haven't had a whole lot of carefree updates. And today is kind of no different. There are only a few. But the first one that I wanted to let you all know of is that if you have not heard on our Instagram page, we posted a graphic with Moesha in the back and it has the different dates for Netflix's new drops of shows from your childhood, from your past, shows that you may remember watching, shows that you may not remember watching. That includes Moesha, The Game, Seasons 1 through 3. Sister, Sister, Girlfriends, The Parkers, Half and Half, and One on One are all coming to Netflix. And I am, I don't know about y'all, but I am so excited just to have all of these shows in one place. I have not started Moesha yet. I have not started Moesha yet. I actually went um, on Netflix the night that it came out, August 1st. And it was midnight. It was exactly midnight. And I'm like searching through Netflix and it wasn't on there yet. So I was like, wow, Netflix really played me. They said August 1st, but they didn't mean August 1st right at midnight, you know, not at the stroke of the clock. So they played me with that one, but it's okay because soon I am going to just sit back, 
relax and just binge watch Moesha because that used to be my show when I was growing up and it's going to be interesting to watch it through the lens of an adult you know like watching it as a child I'm sure and watching it now being a whole grown-up out here is going to be completely different and it's going to be giving me a whole a new different perspective on the topics and conversations that they have. I have seen a few people on social media talking about um, how almost cringeworthy it is to watch it now, knowing how progressive we have become as a community. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to watch. And I'll keep you all posted on that, probably not on here, but on Instagram. Now, also, speaking of entertainment... I watched Black is King, the film by Beyonce. Okay, first of all, let me just say that I know there have been some mixed reviews about the film. I understand. I've read the think pieces. I've read the um, film critic kind of articles. I've read them personally, me, Shakira, myself, I loved it. I thought it was beautifully done. I thought the cinematography was amazing. I mean, vocally, Beyonce is just Beyonce. Like, <laughs> vocally, Beyonce is Beyonce. So me talking about like the vocal part doesn't even matter because we know Beyonce. But just how beautiful it was shot, the colors, the richness, the skin tones. And I was, I watched it with my mom. And I was just telling her, like, midway through the film, I just, like, paused it, and I just looked at her, and I was like, we are a beautiful people. You know, it means a lot to a group of people that have been told that their looks are less than desirable, that their looks aren't beautiful, whether it be skin tone, our noses, our eyes, our mouths, our hair. But to just see that on screen and to see so much of it, it was just almost overwhelming. My favorites were Brown Skin Girl, of course, of course. And I love that it wasn't just black girls. In that part, she also had um, some darker toned women of Asian descent, because we know that in their community, that can be a source of criticism for them when they have a darker skin tone. And I just love that she was super inclusive. I loved it. Brown Skin Girls brought me to tears. Other side, also had me in tears um the last one I cannot remember the name of the song but it was like all of the women they're in the white space like the white room and blue was in the video and let me just tell you blue blue ivy carter is a legend in the making honey listen mark my words blue is going to be that she already is but just give her some years give her 10 years blue is going to be that girl trust me um and it was just it was just so beautiful <laughs> but that last one it really had me hype just seeing all of the women and how powerful they were in that scene and then I think my other favorite was mood where her Jay-Z um they were in like the house from Godfather I love that one those are my favorites those are my favorites by far out of the entire movie but again personally me I love it I thought it was beautifully shot I love the storytelling and the kind of reimagining of the lion king through a human perspective i loved it 
I loved it. If you have not seen it, I do suggest that you watch um, Black is King on Disney+. Plus. Now, lastly, some more entertainment news. If you all have watched Hollywood on Netflix, first of all, if you have not watched it, actually, this isn't the last one because I got a bone to pick with some people <laughs> at the end of these carefree updates. But before I get there, um, if you all have not seen Hollywood on Netflix, it's a wonderful show. It tells the eyes, it tells the perspective of Hollywood for um up-and-coming actors and actresses back in the early days of Hollywood and so one of the actors his name is Jeremy Pope he is from Florida I think he's from Orlando Florida and he was at first like a Broadway actor he auditioned for Hollywood he got the role and now he is going to be starring in a movie about Sammy Davis Jr. He's going to be playing Sammy Davis Jr. And my girl, my good sis in my head, okay? She's my good sis in my head. Janet Mock is going to be directing it. Now, I could be wrong, but I think this is going to be Janet's first time directing a film. I know she's directed some episodes of Pose, um, Hollywood, and other TV shows, but I don't think she's done a movie before so I'm excited to see it I love Janet Mock so they will be partnering for that film and lastly the bone to pick that I had is with the Emmys because my show Pose um I think there was one nomination for an Emmy this year and it went to Billy Porter and he was nominated for um, lead actor in a drama series, which is the same category that he was nominated in last year. Now, let me first start by saying that this is no shade to Billy. This is no shade towards him at all because he did an amazing job as Pretel. Kudos to him. My issue is that this is the second year in a row that the transgender actresses from Pose have been shut out of the Emmys. You cannot tell me. That India Moore, MJ Rodriguez, Angelica Ross, oh my gosh, that episode when Candy passed, you can't tell me these actresses did not deserve Emmy nominations. Like, I, I, I just can't go for it. Like, I'm not going for it. And I was really upset when the nominations came out because they were shut out for a second year. And it's like, how, like, what more can we do? What more can we say? It's not about, I don't think it's about increasing their visibility because they're there. Like, we see them, we see their work and how important and monumental their work has been. But we have to tear down and dismantle these systems that continue to shut out not only creators and entertainers of color, but also trans creators and entertainers like there has to be something done an awakening a reimagining of Hollywood and these I don't even know like how to put it into words per se but these award show kind of platforms um, to really give these creators the acknowledgement that they deserve. And that's the only bone that I had to pick because I was really bothered that they did not receive Emmy nominations because I was moved. If you, listen, if you have watched Pose, 
you cannot tell me there was not one instance in which you were not brought to tears. You were not um, forced to laugh at something. You were not moved by a story that was told during the episode. You just cannot tell me that. So I hope that we can get, you know, out of this kind of repetitive cycle of overlooking these creators all right that's all i had to say we're gonna have a break for our sponsors and then we'll be back to talk about what has been on my mind and my heart recently because we just need to talk about it okay we'll be back this episode is sponsored by podcorn and i am so excited to have them as a sponsor because of you guys A lot of you all have reached out to me personally and have told me that you have either created your own podcast or you are thinking about creating your own podcast. And with that comes sponsorships. A lot of us start looking for different sponsorships and we don't quite know how to navigate this new landscape in matching your podcast with the right sponsors. Podcorn gives you the opportunity to do that. There is no middleman. You, yourself, you, the person, are talking to these brands directly to be able to negotiate your different prices and fees and also give them insight on your podcast. I love it because there's no middleman and the mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when we monetize our platforms. I am going to put all of the information about Podcorn in the show notes of this episode so you can read up on them and get more information for yourself. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Okay, so I actually recorded this podcast episode in advance, as usual, and it was scheduled to come out this Tuesday at 9 a.m., as usual. However, I woke up today. Today is still Tuesday. I woke up around 8.30 a.m. this morning, and I just didn't feel proud of the episode that I had recorded. I didn't feel like it left the world a little bit better. Right. So I took it down and I decided to redo it from a clearer headspace. I realized that when I recorded the episode, it was from a place of hurt and I never want to speak from a place of hurt on here. So I want to speak from a place of clarity and understanding, hence why I am re-recording this episode. And you're getting it a little bit late, but still on Tuesday, so I do apologize. So one part of the previous recording was an article from Teen Vogue magazine. 
And the title of the article is Violence Against Megan Thee Stallion and Others Shows Black Women Don't Get the Safety That They Deserve. And the author is A. Rashawn Meadows Fernandez. I'm still going to read it to you guys because this article, um, I came across it the day that it was published, so July 29th, and I felt like it was, it perfectly worded some of the feelings that I've had surrounding black women's safety. So here is the article. It says that it's never been as intensely obvious to me that the world doesn't see black women and girls both cis and trans as worthy of protection as the day that I read of Crystal Richard's death. Her boyfriend, a man with whom many of my friends had graduated from high school, has been charged with first-degree felony murder, according to the Waco Tribune Herald. Reports say that there were at least 100 people, including family, present at Crystal's 28th birthday party when Jertravion DeMart Wilson is alleged of shooting her in the chest and killing her. All I can think to myself is, in an event of that many people, how did no one step in to save her? Within a few days, I heard the news that Megan Thee Stallion said that she had been shot and required surgery and a hospital stay. Either of these stories would have hurt me individually, but to read them so close together and comprehend that neither social status nor family presence is enough to protect black women from interpersonal and systemic violence shook me. It was an unwanted reminder that black women's safety is a rarity. During the pandemic, black women and other individuals are experiencing increasing rates of domestic violence, according to a report by The Guardian. But Megan and Crystal's stories reminded me that black women are always in a state of crisis. A 2017 report released by the National Center for Victims of Crime found that 41.2% of black women had experienced physical violence and 53.8% had experienced psychological aggression, as compared to 31.5% and 47.1% of all women respectively. Our risk of facing violence was only exceeded by our native and multiracial siblings, and multiracial includes often Afro-descendant individuals as well. Many factors, including the adultification of black girls, false belief in this undeniable strength of black women, and the legacy that has dehumanized black people and over-sexualized black women has left us at risk. Despite black women facing a deathly problem, somehow the public uses headlines of abuse against black women as joke material. Black women have long occupied the front lines on matters of race and gender, but when we fight for increased visibility in the fight against state-sanctioned violence, systemic oppression, or the risk that we face in our homes, we can be accused of being divisive and setting back the movement. I don't know about you all, but I have heard that personally. The most obvious example of this is the killing of 19-year-old activist Toyin, right here in my hometown after having been involved in many protests for black liberation. Erin Glee Jr. is charged with her murder and the murder of a 75-year-old Vicki Sims. Toyin had been visibly active, as you all know. I was at the protest as well. I saw her. I was there. She was there. And so these protests were anti-police brutality protests, and she was sexually assaulted in the days leading up to her death. And Aaron Glee, the guy who killed her, reportedly knew this before he raped her and eventually murdered her. Chillingly, 
Glee indicated that he determined that his only course of action was to end her life. I'm frozen in the universality of his words. My mind races with wonderings of how many deaths hold a similar storyline. How many find freedom in the murder of black women? I've experienced this feeling countless times, including with the deaths of Dominique Fells and Raya Milton, and who knows how many others we never got the chance to hear. Justice is a heavily convoluted concept for black women. Often, we seek liberation for ourselves in a way that doesn't further complicate things for our already disproportionately criminalized black male peers. Too often, this comes at the cost of our own safety. As I process the sense of dis-safety that was personified in each of the women's stories, I couldn't help but reflect on the messages that I've been taught throughout my entire life. Growing up, I was taught to anticipate race-related discrimination and the ways blackness would restructure my experiences as a woman. But there were few, if any, conversations that prepared me for dealing with the marginalizing intracommunity abuse. The lack of dialogue on sexism or how to battle racism when my community prioritized the needs of black men sent an unspoken message that my well-being came second. The underlying sentiment was that it was my job as a black woman to play a role in the forces that aim to protect the sanctity of black malehood, even if it came at the cost of my own safety and peace of mind. The dialogue on what was at stake left me underprepared to verbalize the nuances of the risk that I faced as a black woman. But more than anything, it made it feel impossible to know what to do when I felt equally as afraid of the violence inside my community as the violence on the outside. Black women continue to fight for a better world with the backbreaking awareness that our lives seemingly aren't seen as valuable enough to protect in the system at large or within our own homes. We've created our own movements like Say Her Name, but we can't do it alone. Our efforts to shine a spotlight on issues that affect black women and girls will remain ineffective as long as others, particularly black men and white women, turn away during our cries for help. Across the planet, black films are waiting, if not pleading, for the world to accept that many of the best things about the world were born from black women. But we are more than the gifts that society extracts from us. We're humans with inherent value, too. As I wait painfully for the next headline about a murdered black girl, I can't help but ask, who will protect black girls? So that was the article from Teen Vogue, and like I said... She perfectly put into words the feelings that I had been dealing with. So here we are re-recording this episode. And I just want to say that as a black woman, I have, well, it's always been extremely clear to me that the only protection that I have coming from other black men will be coming from either my dad my brothers, or a few other male family members. I never had this notion that if I were in danger somewhere out in public that I could just run up to anyone on the street and they would help me. Society told me that. Life taught me that. And it's no secret that when I was a kid, I was bullied by some folks in school. I've talked about that several times on here. But as I was reading the article from Teen Vogue, and there was a line where the author mentioned that, quote, 
41.2% of black women have experienced physical violence and 53.8% have experienced psychological aggression. At first, when I read that, I thought to myself, wow, I am lucky to not have been a part of the statistics surrounding physical violence. But then as I kept thinking about it, I guess like a repressed memory started to come back. And I had this memory from a time where I was in school. And there was this one guy who was dead set on making my life miserable. I don't know why, but he just was dedicated. I felt like he came to school every day to just find another reason to get under my skin. He was dead set on it. But one particular day, one time, he put his hands on me at school. I still remember the exact place, and it was early in the morning. It couldn't have been past 10 a.m., and he put his hands on me at school. And I'm, I don't mean in a jokingly kind of way, right, or just like a little push or anything. Like, he hit me hard. And I'll be honest, my mom always told me, if somebody hits you, you hit them back. And that's what I did. I hit him back hard. And I told the teacher, who was a black woman, right? And she told me, don't worry about it. I got it. She handled it. She pulled him to the side. She told him to never put his hands on women. And she sent him to the office. And that is what the author means by physical violence. So here I am a part of that statistic and there are several other stories where I have been a part of that statistic outside of that story and there was an instance where I was a part of a dance team in high school I think I was a freshman at the time and the night before school my brother's girlfriend she was in cosmetology school and she did my hair tell me if y'all remember this she did my hair in this invisible cap method now remember you know I know we have lace frontals and what lace and everything now but back then when I was in high school this especially as a freshman this had to be about 2009 so I didn't know what a frontal was no one knew what a frontal was right probably besides Beyonce and she did this invisible cap method on me because I had always had natural hair and back then I didn't straighten it as much so none of my hair was left out in this style if you know you know and I was already self-conscious about the hairstyle I get to school and these two guys they were older than me I want to say they were like seniors at the time and the hair was glued to my head because it was like a gluing kind of thing, a gluing kind of situation. So they pull the hair that is glued to my head and my neck jerks back hard. Like not just a little tug, but they like yank the hair down. So I call my mom. She leaves her job. She comes up to the school. Let me tell you, my mama did not play the radio. And she gets there, she starts speaking to the dean, and as she's speaking to him, he's like, well, Miss White, Shakira can always come to me when things like this happen. I will take care of them. But do you know why I went straight to my mom and I bypassed the principal, the dean, the school security officer, and anyone else in power who could have done something, right? It's because I knew 
subconsciously that there was a high chance of them not doing anything. I don't know how school, you know, is today, but back then when I was in school, boys could hit you, boys could spit on you, boys could call you out of your name, call you anything but a child of God. And the older people would say, oh, he just likes you or boys will be boys. And if we tell young black girls this starting at such a young age, we are setting the groundwork for them to think that violence and emotional aggression is just par for the course when it comes to finding a partner. And I think we've come a long way, but back then, rarely did we emphasize the importance of emotional intelligence in our black boys and men. And if we are teaching girls that when a boy puts his hands on her or calls her out of her name, that he likes her, Then on the other side of that, we are telling young black boys that this type of behavior is okay. And I spent a lot of time with these thoughts and I found that this way of thinking has led us to the things that we are dealing with right now. This endless cycle, this loop that we are in at this very moment, the lack of accountability that we have for black men and the lack of sympathy that black women get from everyone including even black women sometimes, is as clear as ever to me. When Megan Thee Stallion was shot, social media let the jokes fly. There were jokes from men, celebrities included, about her being trans because of her features. There were jokes from other black women, celebrities included, some who she had even hung out with not too long ago. And instead of showing up for her, the same people that she'd hung out with at some points were making light of her pain. So who are we as a community when we lack basic empathy for black women? Who is going to show up for black women besides black women? We show up for everyone and rarely, rarely is that energy returned. Don't get me wrong, there are some good people out there who do show up, but we would be fooled and lying to ourselves if we thought that that was the norm. It just isn't. And it takes us to realize that uncomfortable truth um, to get to the point that we can fix it. And let me be clear, this isn't a problem for black women to fix because this isn't our issue, it's the issue with the systems and the people surrounding us. Back when I was protesting here at home, the first few days, my niece and I went together. And after a while, um, do I want to say, I'm not going to say who it is, a family member, I'll just say a family member, who had been home playing the PlayStation, video games, a black male. Um, You know, as my niece and I are going to these protests, day in and day out, in the heat, hot, with our signs, and doing everything we can possibly, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, to fight police brutality. Here he is at home on the video game. And so after a while, I told him, you know, you're going with us the next time we go and protest. The first day that he was supposed to go, he fooled me and he got out of it. So I caught on a little bit later that same day. So when I saw him again, I said, tomorrow you are going. 
and he goes super reluctant and eventually he calls for a ride to come and pick him up from the protest he didn't tell me that he was leaving and it upset me so much because I was thinking here we are two black women on the front lines in a fight that affects black men at higher rates than black women yet here we are showing up as we always do and you a black man can't even come out here and do the same and it just upset me and black women have been active in every cause every call for justice across this country yet we are still being exposed at higher rates to abuse in our homes, aggression from black men, misogynoir, sexual assault, as with toying right here in my hometown, and injustices as with Breonna Taylor and many more whose stories that weren't mainstream news. So how is it that at a party of over 100 people, no one stepped in to save Crystal Richards from being gunned down by her boyfriend? How is it that black trans women can be murdered at extremely high rates and black men in response to that will say extremely homophobic things as an excuse for their lives being taken? And I'm not going to say the things that they say, because if you know, you know the things that they say in regards to these murders. And they use it as an excuse for their lives being taken, them being murdered, as if their lives are anyone's to take. So how can Breonna Taylor be shot in her own home several times by police officers and denied medical help, left there to die, while everyone just ignored the fact that she was still alive until she wasn't? And here we are having an entire movement surrounding police brutality and we have to use say her name in order for her story to still stay alive until she gets justice. And these are just a few. Like there are so many others out there. And like the author said, black women and girls, both cis and trans, are worthy of protection. And I say all of this to just pose this one simple question. Who is going to protect black women? And that's all I have. I don't have any more. I hope that you all have a blessed week, a happy week, an amazing week. Ponder on the question. Send it to some folks. Have a discussion surrounding it. And let's come up with some ways that we can work around this and dismantle this system. (laughs) Stay black. Stay carefree. And I will see you guys in the next episode of the Carefree and Black Diaries. Bye, guys.